Electric Studios, from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Again, find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Hope you had a great weekend. Okay, I will get to the balloon. Don't worry, we'll get to the balloon. All sorts of things to say about the balloon. <laughs> oh my! Anyway, <clears throat> you just heard it on the uh, the news. Pete Buttigieg has um, at least publicly stated that he's not going to run for Senate in the Michigan. There was a theory that has been floating around that you know, hey, got an open Senate seat in Michigan. It's an easier easier race for him to win than it would be on the Indiana side of the border. They moved across to Michigan, very strategic. So maybe that's what he was going to do. Well, he says he's not. Now, it is still early. It doesn't mean that he he won't get involved. But on the Michigan 2022 ballot recount, there's also possibly legal activity. So very interesting things happening in Michigan today. We'll get to that here in just a second. So Pete Buttigieg basically says, I'm not going to run for Senate in uh, 2024. He was on Jake Tapper's State of the Union. He was asked if he would uh, seek Debbie Stabenow's now vacant seat. He said that he wouldn't. Um, but again, you know, it's who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? And it all depends on what the, the uh, Democratic Party in the state of Michigan has lined up for potential candidates as Stabenow steps away. And if they've got good a good crop of people, then they may very well, you know, not need him. If they don't have a good crop of people, they might circle back and and actually um, approach this one more time. It would also make sense this early out, given his other job, to not give his uh, tip his hand, if you will. So don't put too much stock in this. He's just saying that he's not running. That doesn't necessarily mean that he won't run. He still might. Now, the reason that Michigan is, it's obviously important just because of all the changes. Michigan's always coming down to one of the states that, you know, obviously um, is, is very critical when it comes down to the the end of elections. But Michigan has also been well known by everybody for many, many years to be rife with fraud. And this is not something that is magical because of the the last presidential election, but this is something that has been known for an extended period of time. Again, you go back to was it like two years before the uh, 2020 election? And you had a letter from like 10 prominent Democrat politicians to Wayne County, basically like, look, we're really concerned about the voter fraud there. You need to get this under control. So make sure you get this under control. And that way we don't have any issues with uh, election fraud and that sort of stuff going forward. And as I've said before, I mean, it's an extra special kind of stupid If you think it's perfectly normal and acceptable for all election workers and poll watchers to be kicked out of a building, for all of the ballots to be taken into the center of that building, for all the windows to be boarded up with cardboard so you can't see inside to count the votes. If you think that's normal and totally not suspect as what happened in Wayne County, Michigan during the last presidential election, like I said, you're an extra special kind of dumb. So the Election Integrity Force uh, and America Project launched 
a project to evaluate Michigan's votes. And results from a recount of Michigan's votes on two ballot initiatives in the 2022 midterm race revealed several major irregularities and legal violations that could impact far-left Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. This is interesting. So the Election Integrity Force and American Project, they launched this thing to go and take a look at all of this. They found that many of the ballots arriving from voting precincts had been improperly handled and showed evidence of possible tampering. Shocker, that was the case in 2020. Shocker in 2018, shocker in 2016, and so on and so forth. When the ballot bags or boxes were open, in many instances, there were additional tags or seals that had been placed on the bag or the box in previous sealings that were not available or readily obvious from the vote total or from the ballot book or from any other place contained within the material as to why or when this box would have been opened and resealed with a different seal. Now, that is the forensic expert, Eric Sprecken, inarticulately saying the stuff was open previously and then resealed when it wasn't supposed to have been. I know. You thought that it was just me stuttering over that, but that's just how the guy talks. So, Despite multiple allegations of fraud brought up against election officials after the 2020 election, Michigan's election laws hardly changed. Instead, the unholy trio of Benson, Governor Whitmer, and Attorney General Dana, I wish I invested in sex dolls Nestle, focused their energies on targeting critics and attempting to punish them with hefty fines and even disbarment. Um, let's not forget that Dana Nessel actually threatened a lot of people with prison, too. Let's not forget about that. So Headline USA writes, uh, the three women who were among the early participants in George Soros's training programs for political leaders now have the benefit of the Democrat-led state legislature assuring even fewer checks of their unconstrained power. But evidence suggests that such an outcome was not the will of the voters. So the final report indicates that 41.5% of the ballot bags and 70% of precincts either did not qualify for recounting or did not match at all. When working with the state as part of the recount, Sprecken also found state officials to be uncooperative. Gee, I'm, I'm shocked. Why would state officials be uncooperative to help with a recount effort that would, of course, potentially uncover impropriety and also maybe sway any potential vote towards what they didn't want. Remember that the leftists in the state of Michigan got everything they wanted on the ballot initiative. So why would they be interested in helping overturn those initiatives? As part of the investigation, volunteers inspected each bag or box of ballots to confirm no one tampered with it. If the packaging was faulty, volunteers did not count the ballots inside. Volunteers also skipped over ballots that did not match the tally for election night. Investigators have yet to perform a total recount of the collected ballots, but already found scads of evidence of fraudulent activity. Benson, a former activist with the Southern Poverty Law Center, has not made any comment on the discovery, but did recently request $50 million from the state to combat, quote, misinformation and allow for several changes in Michigan's voting system. Okay. Well, then you got Prop 2 and Prop 3, right? Because these are two of the, the ballot initiatives here. So Prop 2, again, changes Michigan's voting laws. It allows people to vote without an ID within the state. 
It also requires the state-funded absentee ballot drop boxes. It opens up mail-in balloting to even more people. It allows private donations to fund elections, and it prohibits private election audits. Then you got Prop 3, which is the on-demand abortion bit. So as they go through this thing, now again, do I expect anything to change? Absolutely not. But it is imperative that you, especially on the Michigan side of the border, since we're talking about Michigan, that you take a look at this and you go, hey, um, when we do an audit here and a bit of a recount on the ballot initiatives, we end up finding out that we've got boxes and bags of ballots that don't match election night numbers. So how is that? We've got them saying that the uh, the ballots don't match up. Totality doesn't match up. There is evidence that ballots were opened and resealed multiple times in violation of the law. And when you bring this information to the state, the state basically says, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, and I just want $50 million to make sure that people like you can go away. Kind of interesting stuff, right? So, again, it's Michigan. I keep telling people, Michigan's lost. Until further notice, Michigan is a hard blue state. It was always difficult to win Michigan. You know, Trump kind of caught them sleeping. But right now, with the way that they have rezoned everything and the way that they're changing stuff around, it's, it's going to be virtually impossible to win in Michigan if you're a Republican. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. The local news you need to know first thing Tuesday morning on 95.3 MNC. Yeah, the, uh, the title of the live stream, Biden's Lunar Fetish Disaster. And for those of you who don't know, lunars are people who have a, um, a fetish for balloons. Kind of seems like Joe Biden right now. You know, you get a little bit old, maybe textures are a thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. So an F-22 finally shot the balloon down after it accomplished its mission and was, was over the ocean in the Atlantic. Um, I think they said the debris feels like seven miles long or something like that. Uh, you saw the video, I'm sure. You watched the video of it. And, it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny because I know that we kind of talked about it a little bit last week on the ceilings of these jets and, and the idea that we don't even have a jet that can fly so high. And the fact that that was coming from somebody like Adam Kinzinger, who is a, a, a National Guard pilot, was hysterical. As if jets can't shoot up. <laughs> but I digress. Um, and so everybody who was ragging on people who said, why don't you just shoot it down? Because, again, you can't shoot it down because it's too high up. I, I mean, an F-22 shot it down. So any apologies there? Any acknowledgments of you being wrong for the whole week? Probably not. Because, again, they have no shame. So they shot the balloon down. It it just passed the, uh, the beach, South Carolina. So they shot it down. Their recovery efforts, I guess, are are happening right now. China immediately throws a hissy fit because Winnie the Flu is he's a he's a little girl who throws temper tantrums. So they're um, they're angry, they're furious, they're mad. They even claim that there was a civilian on board. Did you catch that storyline? So China's changed their story a bunch. So right after it happened, China claimed that we murdered somebody, <laughs> that somebody was actually manually flying it. Which, of course, would make it much worse, right? But that's, again, China was trying to tell you it was just a weather balloon. We already knew it wasn't a weather balloon, obviously. 
So this thing, um, this thing gets shot down. China comes out immediately angry about everything because they have to be. They claim that we killed somebody on board who's piloting the whole thing. Uh, then they, what we had, you know, a third balloon, I guess, show up. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but I think one of the funniest bits here is that an anonymous source, okay, anonymous, an anonymous source is now telling everybody that, yo, there was like two balloons that flew over the U.S. under Trump and nobody said nothing. Of course, it's nonsense. There's no evidence of it. All of the, the Trump administration officials are coming out and going, this never happened. And if it did happen, nobody told anybody that it was happening, which is extra questionable. And once again, it's anonymous source from the government saying something that can't be verified. There is no record of no paper trail of nothing like that. So it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It's again, things that didn't happen for a thousand Alex, but nonetheless, that's the accusation. And there will be people who just want to believe it. So they're just going to run with it. Because why would anybody in the federal government lie? Or why would the news media pretend that anybody in the federal government was lying with a fake anonymous source, which happens quite a bit? So China on uh, Monday used diplomatic channels to accuse the U.S. of indiscriminate use of force when the American military shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon, saying that the act had seriously impacted and damaged both sides' efforts to progress in stabilizing Sino-U.S. relations. Now, I understand that China basically has to do this because, you know, they've got to respond in some way. But we all know what China would do if any American asset at all, whether it was civilian or not, went over mainland China because we already know what they will do if you are in international waters but you get too close to their border. So it's kind of funny and hypocritical and... Interesting that they would say this sort of thing. But again, this is a part of that whole international saber-rattling nonsense. Um, they claim it was harmless. It was non-military, whatever. Okay, well, maybe it was harmless. Maybe it was non-military. doesn't matter. So flew over the United States, didn't belong here, our territory. You didn't get permission, that sort of thing. So we uh, we still let it complete its mission and then shot it down. So they got the other one over Latin America. But now there is... Um, allegedly a third one and they won't really give us any specific details here this is in the washington post and again it's from an anonymous source they're claiming that a third balloon is likely operating near the u.s after the first balloon was discovered and again the first balloon was shot down by an f-22 raptor out of langley they used an aim 9x sidewinder missile okay so uh, hopefully I said the missile type correctly. So anyway, um, they're saying that there is potentially another one out there that is operating near American interests. They won't tell you where the American interests are or where that balloon potentially is. There's the Latin American one, that sort of thing. It's just a it, it's just such a giant fiasco as you take a look at this. So China's pitching a fit about this thing. I Look, I just think we should probably just order one from Wish.com and then shoot it down again just to prove a point. That's just me. Somebody did, you know, remember the uh, the big orange Trump balloon that people had? The, like the Trump baby balloon, he was like in a diaper or whatever. Some people actually suggested that Trump should probably float one of those over China just, just to see what would happen. Uh, the memes were great. I think the memes gave us great enjoyment. I think they were a lot of fun. I don't think that it's 
it's genuine to go out there and say that uh, you shouldn't be ignoring these other things in favor of a balloon. Um, I, I saw Representative Crenshaw, um, who's back to being like normal and likable again. Um, he was out there basically saying, like, don't pay attention to the balloon, pay attention to all of these other horrible things that China does. And I don't think there's anything wrong with paying attention to all of it, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that most people are kind of on board with that. And the big thing is that you're looking up and you see a balloon up there. You know that the balloon is spying on you. You don't know what the balloon has on it. You know that balloons are used to carry other devices into enemy territory. And there's a lot of people who are concerned by that. So it made perfect sense to treat that as a potential and immediate threat. And people wanted it taken care of. Furthermore, um, Americans don't want anybody violating our airspace. We're probably the only country on Earth that has airspace that is thought to be impenetrable. And then China floats a stupid balloon across it. And the guy who's supposed to be the commander in chief just goes, yeah, you know, go ahead and float across. It's all good. Now, then after the complaints start happening, where everybody's like, this is madness. You need to shoot this thing down. Then Biden goes, well, I told him to shoot it down on Wednesday, but the Pentagon told me no. So now you've got another problem. The Pentagon isn't listening to the commander in chief when he gives orders, right? The Pentagon could offer their advice. And if the Pentagon goes, uh, uh, Mr. Former Vice President, if we do shoot it down now, like a thousand people are going to die and we should probably wait. And at that point, if you're Joe Biden, you come out there and you go, look, I wanted it shot down. Uh, the Pentagon made a, a very robust case that civilian casualties were going to be a serious problem if that happens. So we're waiting until there are no civilian casualties. But that's not what happened. Instead, he's like, I told him to shoot it down. They didn't shoot it down. Pentagon said no. Well, the the Pentagon doesn't get to say no. Like, it's not how any of this works. And then the idea that you weren't going to shoot it down over rural America and you were only going to wait until it got over urban America to go ahead and shoot it down was just absurd. Um, but now the other thing, too, is that we know that they knew about the balloon over a week ago. And they did not engage it before it got to Alaska, before it got to Canada, before it got into mainland United U.S. They chose not to do it. So even if your argument is, well, we didn't want anybody to get hurt on the ground, which, by the way, is an absurd argument. We now know that the United States knew about the balloon when it was over the ocean before it even got to our territory. So we knew it was coming. So why didn't we just shoot it down the moment it crossed into our airspace? Why? Now, suppose you have to ask yourself some pretty serious questions, particularly if you're a Biden supporter, because the federal government, here's what's happening here. The Biden administration, the Pentagon, and everybody else involved, they're all scrambling to make themselves not look as bad as they really are. And what they're doing is they're tipping their hand into how much information they had. Because one question is, how in the world can you not know that China floated a big old massive balloon our way? Can China just spy on us and send enemy aircraft over our territory anytime they want? And the Pentagon's response, no, we knew about this a long time ago. So then the follow-up question is, then why didn't you shoot it down? And then the Pentagon just doesn't answer. So every time they're trying to give an answer to justify their, their inactivity, it inevitably leads to the next question, which is, okay, well then why didn't you handle it 
before. If you're telling us you knew about it, which is exactly what they're saying, they're telling us they knew about it, then why didn't you handle it? Well, well, it, it, it happened twice under Trump, too. Okay, what evidence do you have of that? Because nobody in the Trump administration has been briefed about it. Come on, the FBI's got a bunch of classified documents. You mean to tell me that in that pile of classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, there isn't, oh, yeah, the Chinese floated a balloon over, over Texas. You don't have anything like that? If a balloon floated over Texas, by the way, it probably would have floated over Mexico, too. I would assume that they'd be a little irritated about, about that. It didn't happen. I shouldn't say it didn't happen. It is highly unlikely that it happened. At this point, it doesn't appear to be a credible story whatsoever. It just appears to be an excuse to not answer the other question that the Pentagon can't answer. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's Breaking Electric Studios. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Just uh, more news out of my old hometown of Las Vegas. A, uh, a very healthy, lifelong professional tennis player. He's only 43 years old. Who was in impeccable shape and took their health extraordinarily seriously. Uh, collapsed and died in the middle of a match at the age of 43. Suddenly. Wonder what it could be. No official word yet. The other thing that I wanted to point out, too, with the uh, the balloon situation, before we move on, I'm, I'm going to move on pretty quick, but the other thing with the Trump stuff is that, you know, when it comes out that the Pentagon doesn't really have an answer, the Biden administration doesn't really have an answer on why they didn't act, because, you know, the first version is, well, we didn't know it, it, it got, it was here until it was over Montana, and then some civilians saw it. It's like, well, how is it that the United States of America didn't know the Chinese had an, had an asset in our airspace. How is that? And are we safe? Like, can you guys protect the skies of the United States or are we vulnerable here? No, no, no. We are totally secure. We knew about the balloon a week before it made landfall. So why didn't you take it down? They didn't really have any answer to that. So the next thing was, well, it happened under Trump too. And then, of course, all these Trump officials came out. We never got a briefing about a balloon. I mean, there would be a paper trail if there was a briefing about balloons from China over Texas, which is what they claimed. And it's an anonymous source that nobody can verify anything. And then when the news media, of course, is being asked, like, well, nobody has any information about this. So then they, the next bit of, of uh, logic, air quote, logic here is that, well, we didn't learn about the Chinese spy balloons under Trump until after he left office. That's why he didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and like I said, there are a bunch of people on Twitter and on Reddit and Mastodon right now, and they are regurgitating that nonsense as if it were in any way, shape, or form plausible or true. So, yeah. Um, still this is the, the earthquake here. I'm just going to do a little bit. I mean, 7.8 magnitude earthquake, Turkey, Northern Syria. Um, last I heard, I think there's over 1600 people dead. It's, it's bad. Uh, buildings completely collapsed, that sort of thing. So just, you know, keep an eye on that story out there as well. All right. The Biden administration 
has, according to a, a new report, has released over 800,000 border crossers into the United States without court dates. So that's in the term of his usurpation. More than 800,000 border crossers and illegal aliens have been released into the U.S. without a notice to appear in immigration court. Now, this is all by the Department of Homeland Security. The figure was first published by CBS News. It details the extent to which the agency released hundreds of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens into the U.S. interior without court dates. Instead, border crossers were given a notice to report to an Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office or Parole Plus Alternatives to Detention, the ATD office. Now, I I feel like it's important to explain to some people what catch and release is because catch and release was killed by the Trump administration. And when it was killed off by the Trump administration, um, after many legal battles in much to the chagrin and complaining of leftists in the United States, you saw a dramatic drop in the number of illegal immigrants who actually got into the United States and stayed here. Crossing the border illegally is one thing. Remaining in the country is a very separate deal. So when you have people cross the border, but they're detained and they're sent back across in Mexico with the remain in Mexico policy that was a part of the Trump administration, that's a big win for us, right? Now, catch and release is we catch you, but instead of sending you back across the border in Mexico for you to wait, we're just going to turn you loose in the United States under the pinky promise that you will show up to court when you're supposed to show up to court. And the problem with that is is that over 90% of them never show up to court. We're not even releasing them with a court date now. So catch and release under the Biden administration has gotten even more lax than it used to be under Bush, under Obama, under Clinton, and everything else. So now, instead of them having a court date to return where they never showed back up, Now they're not even getting a court date. They're just being told you have to report to a parole plus alternative office. And if you don't, then um, you're violating your, your rules for, for staying here, whatever that would, I guess, equate to. And of course, these, uh, these ATD offices are run by ice. So there's no court date. There's no time to return and actually face a judge. You're literally letting them go to the tune of about a million people. You're letting them go on the promise that they will report and let everybody know that they're in the country. And they're probably not going to do it. Specifically, almost 600,000 border crossers and illegal aliens were given NTRs by Biden's DHS, ensuring they're released into the U.S. interior without any follow-up to appear before an immigration judge. The other roughly 200,000 border crossers and illegal aliens were initially released on parole plus ATD with only an NTR, notice to return, but were subsequently given court dates. So 600,000 of them were never given a court date. 200,000 of the 800,000 were subsequently given a court date. And typically speaking, throughout the history of our immigration policy and Modern times, over 90% of them don't return for their court date. So I don't, I don't know what that percentage is going to look like if we're talking about people who are never even given a court date. 
suppose that would be a really good question to ask the Department of Homeland Security. You can watch the live stream at rumble.com slash Casey the Host or Odyssey at Casey the Host. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's new channel. Casey Hendrickson. Nights 6 till 9 on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. See, just when you thought John was trying to make you feel better, because during the commercial break, he was talking about, you know, the weather outlook and it looks like we're pretty mild for the rest of the winter as we head into spring spring's like what 40 days away or something like that and i'm like well it feels pretty good it went from like negative 11 to uh you know like 40 degrees whatever it feels like summer i mean both my kids left the house yesterday and they took their coats off and they're like it's summertime now because <laughs> they're midwesterners um and then and then while we're feeling good about the weather somebody has to pop onto the live stream and say hello from belize it's like, well, <laughs> they win. <laughs> Their weather's a lot better than ours. Just when, just when you thought we were, we were doing okay, somebody from Belize has to come in there and just, uh, you know, thumb their nose at us. But uh, glad to have you in the audience. Thank you for popping in and and listening. Hey, we all have our systems when we place our bets, from picking the perfect upset to combing through injury reports the night before the game. There's one thing that every better should include in their system, and that is a responsible gaming tool, which is available from FanDuel Sportsbook. So this will help you. There's several tools, actually, but they will help you, you know, keep your gambling in check and that sort of thing. Um, They have things like time limits, so you don't unknowingly spend more time on the app than you actually intended to. They have wager limits, so you don't bet too much money. They even have a timeout feature, which will allow you to pause your account for as long as you might actually need. FanDuel wants every better's experience to be about fun and entertainment. And again, FanDuel never wants it to go too far. So visit FanDuel.com slash play well and make responsible gaming tools a part of your system today. Remember to use FanDuel and use my promo code Casey. You must be 21 or over and present in Indiana. And again, if you do have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, let's take a look here. Um, I, I do want to talk about the high school swimmer situation. And this one went kind of viral. Did you guys talk about this on the news at all? The swimmer who got disqualified? This is a really interesting story. I mean, it's sad. It's enraging. And for obvious reasons, um, there also are some rules kind of, kind of in play here. Now, this is in New Jersey. A high school swimmer was disqualified because of an American flag on his swimming cap. Now, here's the thing. It's not because there was an American flag, but the flag was too big for the regulations. The regulation is silly, uh, but nonetheless, it was a regulation and as a result, the the image on the side of the cap was too large, and that's why the disqualification happened. Rob Miller is the father of a 16-year-old sophomore swimmer at Morristown High School in New Jersey. During last week's senior night game against uh, Persephone Hills High School, Miller's son donned the American flag on his swimming cap to honor his grandfather. Now, his grandfather was actually killed in the 9-11 attacks. However, Parsippany High School's coach raised concern over the size of the flag on Miller's son's cap. 
Interestingly, the coach waited until after the race was finished to have the flag measured. So there's a couple of things here. Um, One, we've got a regulation issue. That is, it's a part of the rules, right? And, yep, it's okay to say that that rule is a little stupid, but it's still a rule. And you have to take that into consideration when you're wearing your attire. If uh, if they have specific requirements on your attire and you don't uh, adhere to those rules, there's always going to be a consequence. Now, with that said, is the other coach probably a communist puke who has a pride flag and a BLM flag in his office? Yeah, probably. Are they a sore loser who waited until after the meet to have it measured only because it could positively affect the outcome of the race? Yeah, probably. So are they a petty, tiny little person who can't satisfy their spouse and are likely being cheated on? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that those are all fair assumptions. But there's also rules and regulations. As dumb as those regulations might be. Uh, The National Federation of State High School Associations Swimming allows the following. One American flag, not to exceed two inches by three inches, may be worn or occupy space on each item of uniform apparel by state association adoption to allow for special occasions, commemorative or memorial patches not to exceed four square inches, may be worn on the uniform without compromising its integrity. Okay, so those are the... Those are the rules. Now, here's where things get really irritating. Not only the behavior of the other coach, who is, again, clearly an estrogen latte sipper. Miller said that the officials determined that the flag on his son's cap was too large for regulations. Are you ready for this? By 0.2 inches. So, technically, is it a regulation violation? Yeah, technically, it's also likely that the the graphic just, you know, the graphic was uh, just put on there a little bit too large. Or there's a little bleeding or whatever. Uh, let's see. Blood is boiling. My son was part of a 200 free relay to, uh, to win a swim meet at senior night. After the final event, the opposing coach... As to measure the size of the American flag on a Speedo USA swim cap, uh, it was 0.2 inches too large. According to standards, DQ'd, they lost. So they, again, this is the other coach um, being a pathetic oxygen thief loser who is once again um, having flashbacks to probably his senior night where size was also an issue for him. Miller added that the issue is the coach waited until after the swim to get the DQ, deciding to put the burden of a loss on a 16-year-old, letting down all the seniors that won their last dual meet of their high school careers. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what happened. What should have happened is you should have looked at it and should have said, hey, measure that thing, make sure that this isn't, um, isn't going to be a violation of regulations so you can swap out the hat and we can have an honorable race here. That's not what the coach did. Because, again, the coach clearly has size issues and doesn't like, um, doesn't like you know, anything bigger than what he's used to. It uh, doesn't work out very well for him. So this is why he complained. This is the type of person who orders an extra estrogen shot in his soy latte. And as a result, ruined senior night for a bunch of seniors 
and ultimately put the blame on a 16-year-old kid who's just trying to honor his grandfather. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. WTRC FM and HD1. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Unfortunately, the uh, the death toll in those earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, now over 3,400, continuing to climb. There's been several, I think somebody on the live stream posted there's been like over 70 aftershocks, including some that were like full-fledged earthquake strength themselves, like over seven. So it's um, continuing to be a really ugly situation over there. We'll keep you apprised of that throughout the rest of the show. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. I would mentioned this before. I think um might have been on the early show. I may have mentioned it in passing on this show. When I was doing the earlier show, earlier in 2022, we started 2022 off with the second show. And I, I did a lot on Ukraine because the situation in Ukraine was unfolding. And part of what I was trying to do was just, you know, present the information that was being blocked from being seen from the West. Um, and a lot of that was some of the stuff that Russia had done. A lot of that, a lot of it was the stuff that Ukraine had done or were fake news stories uh, that were designed to benefit Ukraine. And like I said before, my goal here is, you know, I always get accused of rooting for Russia simply because you point out that Ukraine is lying about something, but that's not the the point the point is to not get drawn into the conflict under false pretenses one of the things that we discovered is that on several occasions there was a peace agreement that had been brokered that the united states and other nato allies squashed so as a result the conflict which could have been over by now is continued to rage on. And the latest numbers that we're hearing out of Ukraine are not very good for the Ukrainian forces. But again, this has been a seesaw back and forth since the beginning of the conflict. But as we said before, it's it's just a matter of time. Um, as long as, as Putin's resolve is there, it's just a matter of time before eventually they get the upper hand. Uh, Naftali Bennett, the prime minister of Israel, towards the start of the invasion of Ukraine last year says that the West blocked a ceasefire that he was helping to broker early in the war. And there were, ladies and gentlemen, there were occasions where both sides had agreed to a ceasefire and to sit down for a tentative peace agreement. And it was squashed by NATO. And we still don't have any reasoning behind that. Now, I, I can give you my theories as to why I think the United States and some NATO allies prevented Russia and Ukraine from signing a peace agreement. And whether or not it would have actually happened, I don't know. But again, it was, you know, it was reported that there was a tentative agreement. Zelensky was suing for peace at the time. He wasn't the, uh, he wasn't the aggressive personality archetype that we see now. And maybe he could have secured peace for his country. Now, perhaps that would have come at a cost too great for many people. That's always possible. But ultimately, it was Zelensky's country's agreement to make. 
not yours. And if there is a possibility of saving lives and not destroying entire cities, then that should have at least been explored by the two parties that were participating in the conflict instead of having outsiders prevent that agreement from going forward. Now, if they sat down at the table and ultimately said, this is garbage, we're not going to give you Crimea or whatever the, the circumstances were, then that's one thing. But that wasn't even allowed to go forward. This is a separate arrangement that I even I wasn't aware of. Bennett was prime minister and then alternate prime minister in Israel during a confusing period of coalition politics prior to the return of Netanyahu as head of the government back in December, said that there was a good chance of reaching a ceasefire before the Western powers curbed negotiations in a wide-ranging interview uploaded to YouTube. Israel is one of a number of states traditionally seen as being aligned with the West, along with the likes of India and Turkey, which have played little or no part in efforts to support Ukraine's military, uh, Ukraine militarily, excuse me, or engage in the sanctions, uh, the sanctions war with Russia. Bennett explained that while the American expect the Americans expect that we all rally for Ukraine, this would not necessarily have been in Israel's interests. By way of example, Bennett cited Israeli interests in Syria, where once or twice a week we attack the Iranian presence. Russia, the superpower, has the S-300 there, and if they press a button, Israeli pilots will fall. Who will save them? Biden? Zelensky? It would have been my problem, he said, having earlier suggested that he had made sure that Israel would have free reign in Syria during his first in-person meeting with President Putin. Again, Putin's an ally of the Syrian and Iranian governments. So from Israel's perspective, one of the reasons they remain kind of neutral here is they're attacking Iranian interests inside of Syria. And even though Russia is aligned with Iran, Russia basically said, we will not target your aircraft while you're targeting Iranians inside Syria. So it's an interesting relationship that Russia has with with uh, with Iran that Russia would allow Israel to take Iran's people out. My focus is on Israel's interests. My people, Bennett said, explaining why he chose to position himself as a more non-aligned mediator between Putin and Zelensky after the outbreak of hostilities and claiming that without Western interference, his efforts might have actually succeeded. Now, again, we don't know that. And it is fair for everybody to to make that point. We know that there was a peace agreement that was brokered that didn't involve Israel. We know that tentatively uh, Ukraine and Russia both agreed to the terms. And we know that all of a sudden the meeting didn't happen because Ukraine called it off. And they only called it off after there was a meeting with the West and apparently a phone call from Biden. So what was said, we're not exactly sure. But there's been a lot of speculation since then that perhaps the West is, again, using Ukraine as a pawn in a broader strategy against Russia and the Ukrainian people. And yes, the Russian people are paying the price. Uh, Let's see. Perhaps one of the more embarrassing claims made by Bennett with respect to the early period of the war is that he personally secured a guarantee from Putin that he would not kill Zelensky with the Ukrainian leader allegedly in a secret bunker before the promise was made. Now, remember, Zelensky did go into hiding for a period of time. Only after Bennett informed Zelensky of this gentleman's agreement, um, and he did it uh, via some social media, whether that was Telegram or WhatsApp or what have you, 
Uh, the U- Only after he told Zelensky about that did the Ukrainian go to his office and film himself there on his phone saying that I am not afraid. So the former head of Israel is basically saying, I had a meeting with Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin promised me he would not kill Zelensky. I relayed that to Zelensky, and only then did Zelensky come out of his bunker, go into his office and say, I'm not afraid, and then start facing facing down the Russian bear. Now, again, I, I don't have any proof of any of this. I don't have any reason to doubt this guy. Maybe he's not telling the truth. I don't know. It seems like a weird thing to claim and, and a weird time to be making the claim, but I'm just passing it on to all of you, okay? Because we know that there was at least one deal that was brokered that the West, you know, basically destroyed. Um, it's possible that there were additional ones. Of greater geopolitical consequence, however, is Bennett's account of his efforts to mediate a ceasefire between the two sides, which saw him fly into Russia and then Germany, despite having previously made a point to never set foot in Germany because of the Holocaust, in search of a compromise. Bennett said that he had approached U.S. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, sorry, Freudian slip there, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, and U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan before becoming a pipeline for negotiations between Putin and Zelensky. And that everything was fully coordinated with Biden, uh, President Emmanuel Macron of France, and then Prime Minister Boris Johnson of Britain. Um, and then he also mentioned the uh, Olaf Scholz, uh, who's the Chancellor of Germany. Now, at that time, you heard me say multiple times that the leader of the free world, the leader of the Western world, was Emmanuel Macron, which is sad because Emmanuel Macron is a soy boy. But he was the only one that was actively every single day trying to stop this conflict. So much so that Vladimir Putin famously said he annoyed, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, basically annoys me and wastes my time every day by dragging me into meetings trying to stop this thing. Uh, let's see. The chancellor of Germany expressed to the, the uh, former prime minister of Israel that he was very distressed about the impact of the war on his country's supply from Russian gas. Boris Johnson adopted the aggressive line. Macron and Schultz were more pragmatic, and Biden was both, saying that it was his impression that Putin and Zelensky both very much wanted a ceasefire and made significant concessions on both sides. It was Ukraine's backers, Bennett suggested, that proved to be the stumbling block with there being a decision by the West to keep striking Putin despite his own belief, at least at the time, that a ceasefire was desirable. I turn to America in this regard. I, do, uh, I don't do as I please. Anything I did was coordinated down to the last detail with the U.S., Germany, and France, he said. So then the interviewer asked him, so they blocked it. And Bennett said, basically, yes, they blocked it. And I thought that they're wrong. In retrospect, it's too soon to know. Now, this is a very interesting claim because this is not the first time. There's much more to this interview, by the way. You should go watch it. Um, this is not the first time that we have heard that a peace deal was brokered and that both sides appeared to give concessions and have a tentative agreement, which, again, can fall apart at any time. But at least they agreed on some basic stuff to sit down at the table. And then that was nuked primarily by some of the bigger powers in NATO. And we've heard about Emmanuel Macron's frustration about this as well. 
Now, if that ends up being the case, and I guess we're going to have to wait for the annals of history here, but if that ends up being the case, then I suppose everybody out there who's just gung-ho about this war with Ukraine, you've got to ask yourself why it is you so desperately wanted to put the Ukrainian people in this position. And to a lesser extent, the Russian people. Because the Russian people are getting scooped up in drafts and everything else, too, and they're being sent over there. And for a period of time, conscripts are being sent over to face javelins, which clearly their tanks could not compete with. And now they're going to be sent over to face, well, American, German, and British armor, which is the best that the world has ever seen. I suppose you're going to have to, if this ends up being true, you're going to have to have that conversation with yourself and why you're so willing to sacrifice the innocent people of Ukraine that you claim to be such a champion of. If there was, in fact, the possibility of peace. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Held back if they can't read. I'm Laura Smith. I'm John Zimney. All the local news you need to know first thing Tuesday morning on 95.3 MNC. This is a heck of a headline. Man dies after being shot by Cheney. I haven't read it, so we have to dive into that one. We'll learn about it together, ladies and gentlemen. But first, I've got to help you get a good night's sleep. Uh, Weather is getting a little bit warmer. You know what that means. It means you can start sweating a lot more in the middle of the night. That means you need a good cooling pillow. Luckily for you, my pillow 2.0 is here. And also lucky for you, I'm back to yelling during my commercials instead of doing the nice, soothing MyPillow commercials, lulling everybody to sleep. So here's the deal. You go to MyPillow.com, you scroll down, you click on the Radio Listener Specials, okay? So they got that little banner there. You click on Radio Listener Specials. You pick up a MyPillow 2.0 right now because they're launching this brand new pillow. You buy one, you get one free if you use my promo codes. You have to use my promo code to get that one for free, and that promo code is Casey. I actually got an email over the weekend asking me what my MyPillow promo code was. I thought I had made it clear up until now, but apparently not. MyPillow.com, radio listener specials, promo code Casey. Now, MyPillow 2.0 has brand-new temperature-regulating technology. This is going to keep you all nice and comfy and less sweaty throughout the middle of the night. This is much better than polyester or cotton pillows, which, frankly, are all awful anyway. Mike's patented interlocking fill allows you to adjust your MyPillow for for all of your individual needs. And again, it's available in four different loft levels, and it is a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee, and as always, made right here. In the United States of America, get a queen size, king size, entirely up to you. Definitely go to MyPillow.com. Radio listener specials. Pick up your MyPillow 2.0 promo code Casey. All right, so the gunshot victim of former U.S. Vice President, longtime deep, deep state operative Dick Cheney succumbed to illness and died Saturday night. So he wasn't shot. He wasn't shot again by Dick Cheney. So Dick Cheney didn't crawl through the guy's window and shoot him again. Uh, Harry Whittington's 95 years old. He was a Texas attorney in 2006 when he survived a hunting air quote accident stations after Cheney, then vice president, shot him while he was tracking a quail. Did you ever buy that that was an accident, John? 
John never bought that that was an act. I don't think any of us bought that that was an act. I think we all thought that was a warning. I think every single one of us thought that that was a warning. (laughs) Oh, man. So Dick Cheney didn't shoot anybody else. Liz Cheney hasn't shot anybody yet. It's just the guy who was shot by Dick Cheney did ultimately pass away, but not because of it. Uh, Speaking of shooting people, the director of the movie Rust is likely going to be testifying against Alec Baldwin at his manslaughter trial in New Mexico. This is according to court documents are released. Uh, Is it it Jowell Souza? Again, I suck with names. Sorry. Uh, As one of the people on set who was actually injured by Baldwin after Baldwin fired a prop gun that had a live round in it. Again, we have video of him squeezing the trigger with his finger on the trigger, even though Alec Baldwin has repeatedly stated that he did not squeeze the trigger, which that gun does not fire unless you do. He was listed on the prosecution's witness list for Baldwin's preliminary hearing later this month. And again, um, that's going to be happening, I think, the 22nd or 23rd or something like that of February. So that's just going to be the first time that we're actually going to have Baldwin in court over this thing. Uh, several of the witnesses in on the Santa Fe District Attorney's list were Rust employees who have publicly spoken out against Baldwin and other producers of the film. And we talked about this before. There's actually several lawsuits as a result of what happened here including the showrunner and the showrunner is critical because the showrunner is the person that is really their job is to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing at the time that you're supposed to be doing it. And so when Baldwin was doing what he was doing, the showrunner made it very clear he was not supposed to be doing that and nothing, nothing in the shoot that day called for him to be doing that. So it was atypical. He wasn't supposed to be cross-drawing his gun. Doesn't matter if he's practicing it or not. It wasn't supposed to be happening inside that particular scene. There wasn't any call for him to be cross-drawing or shooting anybody in that scene that was being filmed at that moment. So it didn't make any sense for him to do it. You throw in there that, yeah, there was live ammo on the belt, which I'm sure that uh, the defense will argue was not, Alec Baldwin's fault, it's somebody else's fault that he had live rounds on his actual belt. And they'll, of course, make the argument that it's not his fault there are live rounds inside the firearm itself. And they will just try and explain away, which is going to be interesting to see this defense, by the way. They'll try and explain explain away the fact that you're not supposed to be pointing the gun at anybody. That is a basic firearm safety rule, and it is a standard in Hollywood. You do not aim that gun at another human being. And he aimed it at two of them. You throw in there that he had beef with her. Even though he claims that they were friends. She was one of them who was very upset about the safety record of that particular film. You throw in there that there had already been accidental discharges of firearms on the set of that film. And again, if you've already had that, why would you point a gun at somebody? Why would you trust anybody who handed you a firearm if you already had accidents on set? There's a whole bunch of stuff that just... To me, it adds up like this is this looks much more intentional than anybody probably really wants to admit in Hollywood right now. Uh, but we'll have to see how the, the trial kind of unfolds. But there's a lot of people who are on set who have openly and publicly blamed Alec Baldwin for what happened. And some of them, it wasn't 
It wasn't in the tone of he accidentally did it because he was negligent. A lot of them have been very aggressive in the language that they have used, particularly in the lawsuits against Alec Baldwin. Now, one of the people who's suing Alec Baldwin and the movie are actually the armorer, and she's facing charges too. And she has a very interesting defense. Uh, Whether or not it's going to fly with the jury, we'll find out. But the first court appearance will be later this month. But again, the producer and others are expected to testify against Alec Baldwin at this point in time. MNC News Time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather drill and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got to tell you about R&B Car Company. If you're looking to upgrade your ride, go to rbcarcompany.com. Take a look at their inventory. And again, they've got uh, they've got dealerships all over. You know, South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. And all of the vehicles in their inventory are available for you to test drive at the dealership nearest you. You just got to set up the test drive, give them an opportunity to get the vehicle transported down there. And this is a great experience for us. So we bought our last vehicle there. I don't know how many of you have tried to buy a vehicle with kids. Now, if you go to your, your standard car dealership, what most of the experience is, is you have to wait for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours uh, while they kind of wear you down, right? And if you got a kid with you, that gets pretty hairy pretty quick because you don't have any food. The only snacks that they'll offer you are high sugar, and the kid just continues to just descend into chaos. It wasn't that way at R&B Car Company. First of all, our entire experience was about two hours, and that included test driving like six vehicles. Um, and the staff, like right away, made sure that there was a movie on for the kids. They have a big TV in the lobby. Made sure there's a movie on for the kids. They made sure that they had snacks. They were comfortable on the couch. So we were able to focus on buying the car, asking questions that we needed to without having to worry about the stress of kids who were really angry about being stuck in a car dealership. And it was just, you know, it's a little touch. But one, it was, you know, several members of the R&B team were kind to our children they made sure that they were taken care of. They made the, the entire buying process better for us, and we're happy customers as a result. We've got a great deal, too. Good interest rates, good payments. They got us exactly the vehicle that we wanted. Go to rbcarcompany.com, and when you visit R&B Car Company in person, please let them know that I sent you. JetBlue is being sued over a mask. Of course, it's a let, Let's Go Brandon mask. So a guy was removed from a JetBlue flight. Back in March of last year, he was wearing a Let's Go Brandon mask, and they didn't like that. This story went viral, by the way, when it happened. So Ryan J. Sallow told the Daily Caller that he was removed from a JetBlue flight from Fort Lauderdale to Cleveland in March of 2022. As my political free speech allows me to do, I wear a Let's Go Brandon mask, and I wear it anytime I'm required required to because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I wore the mask on my flight from Cleveland to Fort Lauderdale without any issues. Well, of course, that's because you're going to Fort Lauderdale. You know, Fort Lauderdale is located in the bastion of freedom, 
Cleveland, not so much. Not that Ohio is the worst place in the world, but Cleveland's not the best place in Ohio either. Most of his fellow passengers were laughing and high-fiving him over his mask, he said. After he was asked to remove the mask and put on a paper one, which he did, a flight attendant requested his removal. So a flight attendant gets all buttery hurtedy and says, I don't like your let's go Brandon mask. Take it off. Here's a paper mask instead. And instead of throwing the flight attendant off of the plane, he accommodates and says, okay. And then they still kicked him off of the plane. So he's filed a federal complaint against the JetBlue Airways Corporation and its employees on Friday, claiming that uh, claiming it came in response to, quote, being unconstitutionally silenced, seized, and abandoned in Florida for wearing a political speech mask. Look, it's going to be real difficult. It's going to be real difficult for JetBlue to be able to argue that the mask was of such an inappropriate attire as to make it unreasonable to allow on the plane. There are certain things that you can do in an airline, right? You can certainly limit certain types of clothing if it is a problem, but this isn't a problem. Unless, of course, you're a weak, sniveling soy boy or girl. And that appears to be kind of what we're dealing with here. Um, How many pictures? I don't know how many you follow, like, airplane memes. Like, I love watching the memes of people on airplanes, like the the weird crap that people do on airplanes. And I've seen people drying their panties with, you know, the little overhead. You've not seen this, John? You should use it as a thumbnail for like any any airline news story that you have on MSC. That and it's like like a thong. Like it's not like normal underwear. It was a thong. I've seen it where it was a bathing suit bottom. I at least can kind of sort of understand the bathing suit bottom. Like maybe you hit the pool before you went to the airport. Dumb move. But <laughs> but but I've seen some where it's a thong and she's just like holding it up, like drying it on the little air conditioner thing. It's like, that seems like that should be something that maybe you have a little conversation with her about. Not a let's go Brandon mask. And of course, there's no problem with an orange man bad mask, right? That wouldn't be a problem at all. It's only this one thing. But the most important part here is that this, you know, even though if you ask me, he, he didn't break any rules. He's required to wear a mask. He can wear whatever mask he wants. It certainly isn't indecent. So JetBlue can't make that claim they would certainly allow other political masks that are of an opposite variety, as they should, by the way. And the fact that he was asked to remove it, and he still did, and he wore the paper mask, and he was still removed from the airplane. JetBlue's in some trouble here. Uh, The biggest thing that bothers me is that not one single person on that plane stood up to my defense, he said. I hope we get to a point where we see people getting picked out Uh, picked out for a belief that we won't just sit down and let it happen. Well, look, I hope we get to that point too, Mr. Salo, but uh, we also live in a world where uh, an entire train car full of people watched a man get beat up and then repeatedly stabbed to death. And instead of overwhelming him, he turned around and robbed all of them at knife point. That's the 
the world we live in right now. This is what happens when you go into kindergarten and your stupid little faculty members tell you that you're not allowed to defend yourself. And if somebody's punching you in the face, just turn around and go tell a teacher so it stops. And how do you how do you explain to somebody how ridiculous that policy is other than looking at them and going, you've never been hit, have you? Because <laughs> anybody who says, oh, just, just come get a teacher when somebody is punching you in the face. You've never been hit, have you? Maybe some of them need a demonstration of what it's like to actually be hit in the face, and then they can understand that you can't just turn and go tell a teacher and you get smacked around. Not how things work. But from a very young age, we teach our children not to defend themselves and to rely on somebody else to come save them. And then when those people don't come save them, everybody looks around and goes, well, who who didn't show up? Well, you didn't. And then, of course, you got people who just, you know, hey, they um, they don't want to get kicked off of the plane, too. You are getting kicked off of the plane for just having the mask. What's going to happen to them if they stick up for you? I'm not saying that's right, but people do have lives. Uh, and over something as small as that and as annoying as, as it is, it is still a relatively small issue. I don't know that it's necessarily uh, the most appropriate thing in the world to expect people to fall on their sword just because you have a mask that, you know, some snowflake flight attendant didn't like. But nonetheless, uh, he has filed a lawsuit against JetBlue. He has started a GoFundMe to help uh, support the cost of the lawsuit because that's a thing that we do now, and it's annoying. But he's trying to get $30,000 for it. He's raised 3627 bucks from 116 people as of this moment. Plus, it's on a GoFundMe, which means GoFundMe will probably take it down at some point in time. And we'll have to talk about that as well. Um, if you're going to sue, dude, just sue for the legal fees. You don't need to go out there and crowdfund over it. If it's a good lawsuit, your lawyer will take that take that bargain all day long. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Nights 9 till midnight on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Your breaking news and weather station. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Look, coffee is muy importante, all right? If you have garbage coffee, you will have a garbage day. Most of you who are coffee consumers know exactly what I'm talking about. Inevitably, there's a couple of you out there who are like, oh, the cheap store brand coffee stuff is just fine by me. And that's because you don't like to enjoy nice things. I don't know who hurt you in an earlier part of your life. But trust me, the stuff you're consuming is garbage. Go to TacoaCoffee.com. Get yourself some real coffee. Trust me, you will easily, easily taste the difference. Yes, they have amazing coffees like the Hunter's Blend. We actually had the Hunter's Blend in here uh, competing with my coffee from Tacoa Coffee because we had two different blends running in this studio before COVID. And Hunter's is really popular. It's still lost to mine, but only by a little bit. It's a very, very good blend. The Bardstown Espresso blend from Tacoa Coffee is also fantastic. And then, of course, Casey's Burning Brew and Casey's Dark Side Brew are my coffees that we formulate and work with Tacoa Coffee to get. But they've got tons of stuff. And if you're looking for decaf, they have it. Twilight decaf is available. If you want flavored coffee like German chocolate, 
or Frosty's favorite, even Covey, uh, Co- not Covey, Cozy Cookie. Oh, my God. It would be funny if they came out with a COVID coffee, though. Tell me that that wouldn't be funny. John, John, double, double vax shot of espresso. You can call it bo- morning booster or something. Oh, Jeff, Jeff at Tacoma Coffee, get on a COVID-themed espresso booster blend. That could be my next one. Okay, maybe maybe I have to do it. Maybe I have to put my name on it. We have to do that, okay? We have to. But if you're looking for real good coffee, go to TacoaCoffee.com. You can get just one bag, small, regular size. You can get it ground any way you want, get a whole bean, or do what I do. Get it on subscription so it's sent to your house, whatever it's supposed to be sent to your house. You know, they calculate how much coffee you want. You pick how much you want uh, coming to your home. So right at the time when you're running out of coffee, good coffee arrives. You don't have to go to the store and get that swill. See? Go to TacoaCoffee.com, T-O-C-C-O-A, coffee.com. Let them know that I sent you. Dude, we have to do that. That that could be my third blend. Oh, man. Okay, so we got to come up with a name for this now. Okay, so now I need your help. Okay? If you're on Rumble, if you're on Odyssey, if you're on Discord... I need your help in what we should call my COVID-themed new coffee. It has to be an espresso blend because it, you have to go with the, the booster. Somehow you have to go with the booster, John. How about mandatory morning <laughs> blend? I... <laughs> oh, my God. I think you are onto something. Man, <laughs> it, it has to be an espresso booster something. Mandatory your mandatory morning booster or something like that. And it's just the logo of it is just going to be a mask <laughs> with a syringe on it. <laughs> oh, man. We have got... Uh, oh, oh. See, that new plugin I was talking about for OBS that I don't have installed, this would be the perfect thing for that. Oh, man. I got to have to cut that out. So it was a 450. Okay, there we go. Ah. Oh. I have to contact Jeff from Tacoa Coffee now and tell him, like, I'm ready to do my third blend, dude. It's time. This is what we have to do. Uh, when I was I was talking with um, with another one of our sponsors over at NHQ, and I said, all right, theoretically, what if we put together Casey's snake oil? And it was, you know, vitamin D3 and all of this stuff that, that you were supposed to take that were actually going to help you against covid it would boost your immune system but we're going to call it snake oil because we're always told it was a conspiracy theory of course now they've confirmed all of that stuff boosts your immune system and helps you fight against covid but i was like what if we just made like casey snake oil (laughs) saw that (laughs) dude they came so close to doing it uh ultimately they thought better of it but they came so close god that would have been funny all right ah what do i want to talk about (laughs) oh yeah that's right AOC might be an agent of China. No word yet on if she is actually Swalwell's Fang Fang. Newly released campaign finance records from the Federal Election Commission shows that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who did cultural appropriation with her weird stand-up bouncing routine thing that she did while she was angry about Ilhan Omar, Uh, She was among a handful of lawmakers who funneled money to a China-linked newspaper in return for coverage. Wow. So she's 
she's paying a Chinese paper to write about her in sponsored content. That's weird. Three House Democrats and one Republican gave thousands of dollars to Hong Kong-based Tsingtao U.S., which is a subsidiary of Tsingtao News Corporation, according to the Washington Post. The Washington Post is writing this. Ironically, the Washington Post gets a ton of money from the China Daily, which is the Chinese Communist Party state newspaper. Ocasio-Cortez gave the Chinese asset almost 1500 bucks for advertisements, according to the FEC. Now, I really do, in all seriousness, before I tell you everybody else who's involved here, in all seriousness, is paying $1,500 for advertisements in a Chinese-language newspaper any worse, better, or different than paying to run ads on TikTok? Serious question. Because if you're a politician and you're running campaign ads on TikTok, like, oh, I don't know, Joe Biden did. Is that any different than running advertisements in a Chinese language newspaper? It's a serious question. I mean, Joe Biden's administration is, you know, running around right now going, hey, we might want to ban TikTok. You ran ads on TikTok. Anyway, the other lawmakers besides AOC are Representatives Kevin Mullen, Democrat of California, Grace Meng, Democrat of New York, and Nicole Maliotakis, Republican of New York. It's interesting stuff, especially um, Nicole, because uh, she is she's really led the charge against Ilhan Omar. Um, So very interesting. Uh, Let's see. Each spent somewhere in the range of one thousand to seven thousand dollars to have campaign messages featured in the newspaper, which circulates in New York, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Now, again, is that really a big deal? I don't know. Um, I, I don't, maybe, maybe not. I guess it depends on the affiliation of the newspaper, but, um, you know, it's a Chinese language paper, you know, they're being circulated in American cities. So, you know, that, uh, Chinese Americans who read them are going to be able to see those ads and you might be reaching a demographic that maybe you wouldn't be reaching otherwise. So maybe it's not a big deal. In August of 2021, uh, Sing U.S. was forced to register as a Chinese agent under the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Oh, that's the rub. They work for the Communist Party. See? AOC has a history of working with this particular Chinese asset. According to the Post Millennial, in 2020, she actually wrote a Facebook post post, uh, thanking the outlet for covering a roundtable discussion on foreign language media in which uh, she had participated. And she said, thanks to Tsingtao newspaper for covering our foreign language media roundtable. Well, I guess that's good. More coming up next. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Some good names rolling in on uh, my next flavor of coffee. Some very interesting ones. Appreciate those suggestions. You can submit those on Rumble or Odyssey or Discord. I do want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw R&B Car Company are your used car experts. We'll get to Project Veritas here in just a little bit. Finally. By, what the, the local news called, um, well, a series of controversial delays. 
That's an understatement. Finally, the South Bend Common Council uh, met to address the racial reparations bill from uh, Henry Davis Jr. He's running for mayor, by the way, South Bend. Um, Let's see. According to Common Council President Sharon McBride, Dr. Daryl Heller, the director of the Indiana University South Bend Civil Rights Heritage Center, will chair a special committee. The special committee has been formed to look at the uh, reparations bill. And again, it stops short of asking for actual like cash payments and stuff. It's more about vocational training, investment in housing, and uh, that sort of thing. We went over that with uh, Councilman Henry Davis Jr. a couple of weeks ago when it was introduced, and he wanted to explain kind of what it was, what it wasn't, that sort of thing. You can go to my website at btmedia.news into the podcast section and listen to his his interview there where he explains the bill. But as that was happening, like, it had already been delayed once and, like, keeps getting delayed and just weird reasons, right, which are, I'm sure, totally just organic and and not at all controversial reasons. (laughs) So anyway, the committee uh, will work with so-called stakeholders to address issues raised in Bill Number 22-61. A resolution calling for reparatory justice. The bill will be debate, debated tonight. Now, the council meeting, the special meeting already happened. The council meeting will happen at 7 o'clock tonight, where it will be debated again. On January 24th, U.S. Senator Cory Booker introduced Senate Bill 40, which would establish a commission to vet proposals aimed at African-American reparations. Over 190 organizations across the United States have endorsed the bill. Uh, The special committee in South Bend would follow Senate Bill 40 and other plans to inform the South Bend Common Council. So there you go. Uh, It is finally getting a a, uh, it's going to be heard for for the first time after many, many delays. And then the whole process of arguing about it gets to start. So. (laughs) All right. Let's, uh, we, we got to take this Project Veritas thing, man. Okay, can I just say this? James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are the GOAT, period. I, I don't know how else this, you know, you, you reach a point in your career where you're just like, okay, I keep putting this line down and you keep crossing the line. And then finally you just decide the line has been crossed one too many times and it's time to go nuclear. Project Veritas went nuclear, and I don't know how many of you have been following this or not. So the Pfizer video happens, right? So the Pfizer video happens. It's a whole thing. Um, And then what ends up happening is Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, they then confront the Pfizer executive at a cafe about what he said. And his defense is, I'm literally a liar. I'm just trying to get some strange on a date. We're not doing any of the things that I claim that I did to impress my date in the video. Now, what's interesting about that is in addition to what he said in the first video that was released, and in addition to what he said in the second video that was released, we ended up finding out that he said additional stuff. So video number one is him saying the stuff. Video number two is him being confronted about saying the stuff and having a meltdown and attacking everybody. And then video number three is him admitting that the Pfizer vaccine 
has reproductive consequences for women. Did you catch that part? Because he says it. Now, I'm sure, again, I haven't been in the dating pool in a very long time. If I ever find myself out in the dating pool, I'm going to be completely clueless. But I would not have conjured up the idea that I should probably say that a thing that I work on causes women to uh, go sterile. I probably wouldn't have thought of that. But he did. I didn't know that that was a thing to impress people. But I guess it's a thing. So we got to come up with some ways to maybe maybe my um, my mandatory Java booster shot um, can cause some form of reproductive repercussions in women, John. And then that will help me out in the dating pool. I don't know. So that video then gets released. Okay. Now here's here's where things get really bonkers. So we already know the Project Veritas is going to be generally censored when they have these big scoops. You know, they're censored. Everybody lies about them and says it's deceptively edited. Somebody gets fired, and then Project Veritas goes, wow, if it was all make-believe, then why did so-and-so get fired for saying all of these horrible things? Facebook and Instagram deleted the video of Project Veritas confronting a YouTube executive after YouTube took the videos for Project Veritas down. So YouTube says we're going to take the videos down. And then Project Veritas says enough is enough. They go and they confront the guy at YouTube who made the decision to take their videos down. It's, I mean, it's hysterical. So you confront Pfizer, you have these videos about Pfizer, you got this investigative report about Pfizer, you got this executive at Pfizer admitting all sorts of things that the public is not supposed to know, and then YouTube takes it down. So Project Veritas says, you know what? Screw it. Let's go, let's go confront the guy at YouTube who took the video down. And they did. And the guy even even falsely accused the Project Veritas reporter of of touching him aggressively. It is so bizarre. So they confront the YouTube dude for taking their videos down. The YouTube guy does what everybody does when Project Veritas confronts him. He runs away. And then Facebook and Instagram, which are the same company, they close ranks on their competitor, YouTube, and they take the video down of Project Veritas confronting the YouTube executive. And they didn't do anything wrong in confronting the YouTube executive. This is the most, it, it is one of the most bizarre things. I mean, it, it's only bizarre in that you see the news do this all the time, and they don't have any problem with that. It's really not bizarre in that we it's unexpected, because we expect this sort of thing to happen. It, what I was pleased about is the escalation that Project Veritas they chose violence, figuratively, of course. They chose violence. They said, we're going to go to the YouTube house, and we're going to confront this dude for taking our video down. And we're going to ask him why he took it down. So Matt Halperin, who again lied about the reporter from Project Veritas who was there, um, he's actually the one that put hands on the Project Veritas reporter. <laughs> but he accused the Project Veritas reporter of putting hands on him. It's all on camera. That's what's so funny about it. So uh, Meta's Instagram and Facebook platforms have removed a video by Project Veritas showing a journalist confronting YouTube's vice president of trust 
and safety, Matt Halprin, about the censorship of a video showing a Pfizer executive talking about uh, mutating viruses. Both platforms claim that the video was in violation of community standards, specifically the policy prohibiting, quote, content that could lead to identity theft or put someone at risk of physical or financial harm, which, of course, none of the videos do. None of them. How could it possibly do that? Did Facebook and Instagram take down all of the posts of Trump's illegal Illegally leaked tax returns? Nope. Of course they didn't. In the video that was removed by both platforms, Project Veritas journalist Christian Hartsock asked Halpern why he banned a video showing Pfizer's Director of Research and Development Strategic Operations, Jordan Trish, Trish, Jordan Trishton Walker, talking about mutating viruses. Quote, how much is Pfizer paying you to run cover for them, Hartsock asked. Is YouTube brought to us by Pfizer? How many times have I played that montage on this show and on the live stream, guys? Brought to you by Pfizer, right? Such a great line. On January 25th, Project Veritas posted a video of Walker talking about the company mutating COVID-19 viruses. Walker later said that he made it up. And again, to be clear... He didn't say we are mutating viruses. He says we are discussing the possibility of mutating the viruses and we are currently working on the technology to do it. That's what he said, to be clear. Well, one of the things we're exploring is why don't we just mutate it ourselves or so we could preemptively develop new vaccines? That's what Walker said while he claimed he was just trying to get in bed with the uh, the hot dude who was sitting across from him. So if you haven't seen Project Veritas confront YouTube, you need to. Because it, it it's clear to me that James O'Keefe is like, screw it, let's just go for it. Let's Let's go after YouTube. Let's harass YouTube. Let's make them as uncomfortable at their homes as they make everybody else uncomfortable in theirs. And we are going to hold them, um, hold them accountable to their own standards. And then Facebook and Instagram closing ranks with with YouTube, even though they're competitors. Very, very interesting stuff. But super, super, super good video. You should definitely go check it out. ProjectVeritas.com is the website. We'll put it in the Daily Show prep as well. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. C. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Football fans, FanDuel is the perfect way for everybody to get in on the Super Bowl 57 action with a no sweat, same game parlay. Now that means that everybody gets bonus bets back if your Super Bowl same game parlay doesn't hit. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Same game parlays, again, let you combine all of your favorite betting types for a chance at a bigger payday. So you can start building your own same game parlay, or you can choose from one of the popular same game parlays that are already made for you in America's number one sports book. And if you're new to FanDuel, make sure you sign up with my promo code. That is promo code Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, when you download the app. Either way, you will get bonus bets back if your no sweat same game parlay does not hit. 
So make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And again, you must be 21 or over and present in Indiana. Three-plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus is 5 bucks unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All righty. Oh, man. So many things. People did, uh, by the way, they posted this because um, we were talking about 3D printing the uh, spy balloon, and there's already models for it. So if you follow me on social media, you should, I think we'll have a, a 3D printed spy balloon happening here soon. Uh, the Navy does say that they've recovered some debris. How much debris? I don't know, but they have discovered some debris from the spy balloon, or they have recovered it, I should say. And whether or not we actually learn anything from it remains to be seen. I'm not expecting much. Even if they do learn anything, I'm not expecting to uh, have that publicly made available. But I guess ultimately we will see. Um, Yeah, that's about it. So for those of you who are asking about the Pfizer thing, a couple of people are asking about the Pfizer um, fertility issues, which, by the way, the hashtag for the fertility is P-F-E-R-T-I-L-I-T-Y. You know, Pfizer fertility. That's the hashtag that you use on social media to talk about the weird fertility issues with this. But this was, again, something that was admitted by Jordan Tristan Walker, who is the Pfizer Director of Research and Development, who was just trying to get some strange when he was filmed undercover. He maintains that everything he said was a lie. I've got to throw that out there. Every single thing that he said out there was just designed to impress a date. Okay. So anyway, um, he did say that there is something irregular about women's menstrual cycles, and it's concerning the vaccine, and it shouldn't be interfering. It has to be affecting something hormonal. So, again, you've got a Pfizer executive who is, we already know this. Okay, We already have the CDC and everybody kind of admitting this anyway. Uh, but you do have a Pfizer executive on camera saying our product somehow, some way is causing an issue with women's menstrual cycles and it's got to be hormonal and we're working on it. But now again, you got an executive at Pfizer saying this on a date because he's totally making it up, just trying to, trying to get some, but beyond that, um, what it does show is that Pfizer still doesn't really know what's causing it and they're not quite sure how to fix it just based on some of the stuff that he said. That's if you believe he was telling the truth during the date and wasn't just trying to impress somebody to, uh, you know, score some. But we'll see. The U.S. economy has lost $12 trillion to the COVID lockdowns and mandatory business closures. And and I will say this, you know, um, here's the thing. I know that there is still a Trump versus DeSantis battle that is happening And I think it's important to be honest in this discussion. Uh, What Trump is saying about DeSantis right now is not the most honest stuff in the world. And it's I think it's going to get him in trouble. I really do. He's going around and he's trying to say that DeSantis is this big lockdown guy and everything else. And that's not accurate. Um, At the same time, people are attacking Trump as being um, a big, uh, you know, vaccine mandate guy. He wasn't a vaccine mandate guy. So. Just keep in mind, it's going to get ugly, and DeSantis may not even jump into this thing at this point in time. 
Um, I know that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be doing the response to Joe Biden's Snorefest, and she is an early favorite to be picked as a running mate. She's an early favorite. Christy Nome has been out there for some time. Uh, she would probably make more sense just because Christy Nome is the calm, if you will. Uh, if if Trump ends up getting the nomination, Christy Nome would be the calm to his storm. And she's also been in office longer, and it would probably look better to have somebody who's already been in office longer to do that as opposed to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is you know, newly elected to her post, just up and abandoning that and, you know, running for higher office. Whereas Christy Nome would have some leeway with voters for doing that because she's already been in office for some time. Um, but those are the two names that I hear. And most of you have heard DeSantis Nome as a ticket on, well, I think I might have been the first person in the country to mention it. And people had asked me pretty early on who I thought would be good in the future. And I mentioned DeSantis and Nome as a ticket. Um, that has kind of become a very common thing for people to say. I think it makes sense. They're obviously both rising stars in the Republican Party. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is super popular, though. Very, very, very popular. And there's no doubt that in a debate, she is going to she's going to hold her own and, and wreck some people. So it'd uh, be very interesting to see kind of what happens with that. But Noam and Huckabee Sanders are still out there. But this report is that the U.S. economy lost $12 trillion to COVID lockdowns and the mandatory business closures were the number one reason for that. Uh, GDP fell during the pandemic due to the lockdowns and resulted in uh, trillions of dollars in losses in the past years. A consequence mainly driven by mandatory business closure policies, according to a study from the University of Southern California. By the end of 2022, the pandemic had cut $12.2 trillion from the U.S. GDP. So again, this is from the University of Southern California, USC's Economic Modeling Journal. Researchers expect total losses to hit $14 trillion by the end of this year. The study blamed involuntary business closures as the leading cause for the massive decline in America's GDP during that period, which, of course, surprises absolutely nobody. I hear that there are still businesses out there requiring masks to go in. I mean, good luck surviving uh, in the near future. I, I, my assumption is that you're probably not going to last very long. MNC News Time is 3.30, excuse me, 5.31. Wow, I don't want to rewind two hours, John. 5.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Mission. Uh, somebody just posted on Rumble that there's been 86 quakes and aftershocks since the main one. And what last we heard is over 3,600 dead, correct, in Turkey and Syria. As they continue to sift through the rubble for survivors. want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Bob Woodward, air quote, legendary journalist, has had some what are being called by Fox News scathing remarks on the media's coverage of Russiagate. And I found this to be particularly interesting just because it is Bob Woodward, but more on that in a minute. 
Veteran journalist Bob Woodward's scathing remarks about the media's handling of the Russiagate saga and the Christopher Steele dossier were largely met with silence in the industry this week. Woodward was one of several major figures who spoke at the Columbia Journalism Review for a post-mortem of sorts published this week after 18 months, that's last week, after 18 months of work on the sprawling Donald Trump-Russia collusion allegation story that consumed American media for years. Woodward, a legendary Washington Post reporter who helped break the Watergate scandal in the 1970s and conducted a series of eye-popping interviews with President Trump, said news coverage of Russia inquiry wasn't handled well and that he thought viewers and readers had been cheated. Now, he also claimed in the report that he'd warned the Washington Post reporters working on the Russia collusion stories about why he had publicly criticized the Christopher Steele dossier in 2017 as a, quote, garbage document. Now, for those of you who don't know, my audience should be well-versed in this, but I always have to remind myself that I can't assume that everybody listening now has listened before, so some of you might be new. BuzzFeed had the dossier. BuzzFeed was shopping around the dossier. Nobody wanted to publish it. Nobody thought it was credible. Nobody thought it was real. BuzzFeed finally was able to get the lowest common denominator to go along with it. That lowest common denominator was, it's not news, it's CNN. And CNN said, we'll partner with you because we hate Trump. So they didn't verify anything. CNN goes public. They do a whole blast on this dossier that BuzzFeed has. They have BuzzFeed personalities and honchos on to talk about this dossier and how nobody else in the media will even want to touch the story and how it's a a narrative about the power of Washington, D.C. to throttle the press and everything else. Well, what ended up happening is right after that, I mean, it was like 24 hours later, the whole dossier is debunked and CNN is now disavowing the dossier. CNN actually brings BuzzFeed honcho guy, I forget his name, back on on air, and they tell him, you sold us a bill of goods, you gave us fake news. He, they actually use the phrase fake news on CNN while talking with the executive from BuzzFeed about how BuzzFeed had swindled CNN into promoting this bogus dossier. And at that point, the dossier kind of like, gone. And then suddenly, weirdly, magically, like a couple of weeks later, the dossier pops back up again as the most credible document in the history of credible documents, and everybody in the news media is covering it as if it were verified. And I'm telling you, it's if there's ever been a better example of there being collusion between the media to take out a political target, The dossier was it because you can go back and you can watch the entire news industry go, this is garbage. We will not risk our reputation for it to we will risk our reputation for it when one outlet to that outlet getting burned and sorry, they risked their reputation for it to it dying out to everybody now says it's gospel and it's true. It is one of the most interesting timelines in all of American history. So you got Bob Woodward here, who, again, legendary journalist, right? He's out there going, this is a pile of garbage, and he's 
telling everybody at the, the Columbia Journalism Review about how the media got the Trump-Russia collusion story so wrong. Now, I find this to be interesting because while he's doing this, Trump is now suing Bob Woodward for $49 million. See, Bob Woodward hasn't exactly been honest either. Uh, former President Donald Trump filed a $49 million lawsuit against investigative journalist Bob Woodward this week. Again, that's last week. Accusing him of inappropriately selling tapes of his interviews. Trump claimed in the lawsuit that the interviews he agreed to do with Woodward were only for the purpose of writing a book or a story. He did not give permission for their public release, according to the lawsuit. Uh, He's accusing Woodward, his publisher, Simon & Schuster, and parent company, Paramount Global, of unfairly profiting off of the interviews and engaging in copyright infringement. And let's not forget, I mean, Woodward has had a credibility issue on the Trump-Russia collusion story, too. So he can go out there and, and he can certainly make accurate claims about how the rest of the news news industry, you know, screwed this one up. That's true, but that was intentional. But he's not exactly innocent either. Um, and so I found it interesting that Woodward is destroying the news industry for basically lying about Trump and Russia at the same time he's being sued by Trump for inappropriately, according to Trump, releasing these audio tapes that he never agreed to allow to be released. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendricks, weekday mornings 5 till 9 on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You know, if you have good vision, you would be able to see that the St. Joseph County Democratic Party was trying to take an issue that Henry Davis Jr. came up with to launch his mayoral campaign and steal the issue from him and make it their issue so that way he couldn't take credit for it. But you would only be able to see that good if you went to Southwest Vision Center. Because if you didn't go to Southwest Vision Center, there's a good chance that you would be a little foggy on the details of that particular story. Southwest Vision Center is where I get my eye care taken care of. Uh, They have helped me tremendously with my dry eye syndrome, which, by the way, was affecting my ability to drive at night. I didn't realize that dry eye syndrome is one of the top reasons that people struggle to see well when they drive at night. So you get that under control, and you're able to see a lot clearer when you drive at nighttime. Uh, Plus, they did give me some uh, lenses that are specifically designed to improve contrasting, you know, shades of color and that sort of thing at nighttime, which has really helped uh, for those those months like we're getting out of right now. We were just talking about this in the live stream, but we're getting out of those months now. But where it's really dark when you're driving home, particularly on my path home. Southwest Vision Center, if you're looking for great eye care professionals that are going to be detail oriented and friendly and be great with kids. Southwest Vision Center is the place to go, period swvisioncenter.com is the website. Find the location nearest you, make an appointment, and as always, let them know that I sent you. My listeners get really good discounts over there, oftentimes much better than the rates that you'll get with your insurance. swvisioncenter.com. Mention me when you make your appointment. Uh, This is a uh, bit of a breaking story this afternoon. 368 people have been arrested 131 victims have been rescued in a large-scale human trafficking operation that was conducted by a multi-agency task force in in California. Um, So this is great news that these people have been been arrested and these people have been rescued. Unfortunately, this is all too common. 
Uh, the victims of human trafficking, including ages ranging from 13 to 52, include child, including children. Uh, investigators worked with victim advocacy groups to provide resources to help the victims escape. And uh, now it's all been the operation is done. So they've uh, they've taken everybody into custody there. But I mean, three just in just this one operation. They've got over 300 people in custody and they've rescued over 100 people. In one operation in one state. And it is a problem everywhere. In particular, it is a problem in Indianapolis because of the proximity to professional sporting events that are annual events. And that has been a big issue for quite some time. Um, So, again, congratulations to the authorities for uh, the rescue operations and the success in this particular operation. And hopefully... Uh, we'll have more of these successes in the near future because a lot of times these things don't get really publicized all that much, and I, I do my best to try and let you know about them. All right, folks, uh, don't forget the story about Trump ignoring Chinese spy balloons is a fake news story. It's not real. It's not true. It's being spread by disingenuous liars. You can also follow me online, your favorite social network, doesn't matter where it is, at Casey the Host. I'm most active on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, of course, Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey the Host or Odyssey at Casey the Host. If you are interested in getting the podcast or the news, go to 953mnc.com. Michiana's Morning News starts tomorrow at 5 a.m. Here's Bill O'Reilly telling you what I told you last week. Bill O'Reilly here. The O'Reilly.